you take your Bibles and your outline in your weekend outline, and um, on the back of your bulletin is the outline from this week's message. And if you would just simply take that and uh, follow along, I'm really going to be all over the New Testament. I'm going to predominantly be in the book of Acts. So if you want to turn to Acts chapter 1, and I'll be in Romans chapter 8 quite a bit. But all, those, all the scriptures that you've got referenced in your outline will be on the screen. And, and I would encourage you to take this, take this message home, let this kind of marinate, put it on your own rotisserie, and just, and, and just kind of process this. And again, we're in the second week of this five-week series called The Wild Goose Chase. And uh, The Wild Goose Chase uh, comes from uh, uh, with the, the Celtic Christians called the Holy Spirit, the Wild Goose, or Adon Gloss, which meant wild goose. And they said that the, to follow the Holy Spirit, it was like a journey. It's, a, it's unpredictable. It's, it's not, you can't track him or tame him. But, 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 when the wild, but it's adventurous, and it's anything but boring, and it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the ride of a lifetime. And as Christ followers, we want to follow Christ. We want to follow God. We, we, want, we don't want something that's predictable and a God that we can put in a box and put a, put a bow on it. We want a God that will lead us and guide us and direct us in all areas, in all ways of our life. If, if God's only good for Sunday morning, he's not really good. He's got to work Monday morning, Tuesday afternoon, Thursday in the midnight hour, Friday night, Saturday morning. He's got to work 24-7 in your life, and he does, but he does that through the vehicle of the Holy Spirit. So we talked about that last weekend. This weekend, we're going to talk about the experience that you have with the wild goose. We're going to talk about the two distinctive experiences that you have with the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's jump right on in. The first experience the Bible says is what we call the salvation experience. There's two distinctive experiences with the Holy Spirit. The first is the salvation experience. It's in your notes. And this is, what, this, is, this is it. The Holy Spirit draws you and he fills you at salvation. With the salvation experience, the Holy Spirit draws you and he fills you at salvation. Here's what I mean by that. What happens in our life is that God is at work in our life and God is, is wanting us, to, wanting to have a relationship with us. That's why Jesus Christ came, John 3, 16, for God so loved you and I that he gave his only son that whoever would believe on him would not perish but would have eternal life. God wants a personal relationship with everybody in this room. And some of you that are in this room today, you don't have a personal relationship with God and you're gonna cross that line today, not because of me, not because of, of, of what I just, because I just said so, but because there's gonna be the truth of God's word that's gonna come alive in your life in these next few moments and you're gonna say, that's what I want, man. That's the life that I wanna have. That's what I want. That's 15 people, adults, this weekend so far have said, I wanna I want cross that line. And, and what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to work and he draws you. And as he draws you, when you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit fills you in that moment. He comes in and he fills you in that moment. Let's look at scripture. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 14, excuse me, 12 through 14. The Bible says it like this. So that we who were first set to the glory of our hope in Christ might live for the praise of his glory in him. You also have heard the word of truth. You, you heard the Bible. You, you heard the message preached. The gospel of your salvation. So you heard it. And then you believed in him. And then you were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people to be the praise of, to be to the praise of his glory. So you come and he draws you and he fills you. Romans chapter eight, verse one and two. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life. Now remember we talked about this last week. The Holy Spirit is referenced throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament as a spirit, capital S, spirit of God, spirit of life, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, 
Um, so right here, Paul's using this reference as the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So Jesus Christ, through the vehicle of the Holy Spirit, sets you and I free from the law of sin and death. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 and 11. Let's go on down. It says, but you are not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. Since the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though your, the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is, is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he raised Christ from the dead, will give life to your mortal bodies also through the spirit that dwells in you. Paul, and, and, and Romans is an awesome, awesome, awesome dissertation on the theology of sin and death and life in Christ and the whole comparison to being dead in your sins and being alive in Christ. It's a great read. But, what, but this whole passage, Paul keeps coming back, the spirit dwells in you, the spirit dwells in you, the spirit dwells in you. Yes, because you've accepted Christ. So when the Holy Spirit draws you and you accept him at salvation, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a savior, then what happens is he fills you in that instance. John chapter 20, before the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is speaking to the disciples in verse 22, and he said this. When Jesus, when he had said this, he, Jesus, breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, prior to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because after this, he tells them, go to Jerusalem and wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Before that, he breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. What's interesting about that is that when you do a study, a word study, the word breathe in John chapter 20, verse 22, is the exact same word in the original language that, that is used in the Old Testament when God breathes life into humanity, when he breathes life into Adam, when he breathes life into Eve, when he speaks that, when he breathes the breath of life. And that's, I don't have time to go on that. There is a fascinating study with that, that um, the, the, the name of God in Hebrew sounds much like a breath, like, like, like a deep masculine nostril breath. And, and some Jewish scholars have said that even when a child comes into this earth and is born, the first thing they do is cry or they breathe. And in that moment, they actually speak and they utter the name of Jehovah God, thus declaring him as, as Lord and not, not personal Lord over their life, but just declaring you know, that God's the giver of life. Again, I don't have time to go in that. Fascinating study. We'd love to go down that place. You and I can get a cinnamon dolce latte at Starbucks and discuss that. But what's cool about that is, the, is that the power of God is breathed into these disciples, is breathed into them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit draws you and he fills you. It's where God's at work in your life and you go, you know what, man? I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I want to cross the line and I want to give my life to Christ. Many people believe, the Bible says that the demons in hell believe that Jesus is the son of God and they know the power, but they don't, he, they, he, they don't have the capacity to make him their Lord and Savior. But you and I, as his children, do. So before we move any further, I want you to draw your attention to the screen. And it's just a personal testimony of a, of a guy in the church who um, experienced a salvation experience. I'll be right back. Well, I was... Uh raised Jewish and had been Jewish all my life and uh, about five years ago my daughter uh, became a Christian and uh, I started tagging along with her and her husband and my granddaughter uh, to church with them on Sundays probably in all honesty for nothing more than something to do to get me out of my uh, my uh, apartment, and uh, 
we went to various churches and uh, I kind of enjoyed it and met lots of nice people. Then uh, I met Viv, Viv and I met, and uh, she just asked me, uh, uh, I don't know, on our second or third date, would I be at all interested in uh, going to church with her some Saturday night? I said, sure. To me, it was just going to be another, another experience. Um, and uh, I came to Life Church, and I really, really enjoyed it. So for me, it was a big time of education, of learning new stories and, and, and learning uh, uh, the greater part of the, the New Testament. And uh, then, uh, if you want to say it that way, my moment came um, probably not more than a month or two ago. Uh, Pastor Aaron was con had concluded his sermon and he said that he was going to pray and he said there may be some out there uh, that have never really accepted Christ. Uh, and if there are any of you out there, I want to say a kind of a special prayer for you I'm not going to embarrass you and make you come up or anything like that, but just raise your hand if you're in that group that's still kind of on the outside looking in. And so I kind of looked around and I raised my hand a little bit and uh, uh, he, he said a prayer and then he said, are there any of those of you who are on the outside looking in who have decided that perhaps now is as good a time as any go forward and make and make a commitment and again I kind of raised my hand so he came over and said a prayer over the few of us who had raised our hand that we were ready and uh, then when he got done and when the service concluded he came right up to me and he said do you know what you just did and uh, I said I think I do and so that's that's really the 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 st my story. And that's the salvation experience that you, that you have. And Tom's is just one of many of people that have crossed the line and come into faith in Christ. And uh, so that's the first work of this wild goose. The second is what's called the baptism experience. We're going to spend a little bit of time on this today. This is uh, really what's kind of associated with when you start talking about the Holy Spirit and uh, in these types of terms, the baptism experience. Now, there's several statements that I want to make that are in your notes, and I'm going to back all these up with Scripture, but the first of which is that the Holy Spirit baptism is a gift. The Holy Spirit baptism is a gift. After you receive the, the gift of salvation, where the Holy Spirit draws you and fills you, and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then you have an opportunity to, to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it's a gift. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 the Bible says that while staying with them, he ordered them, Jesus, not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise, or the NIV says, to wait there for the gift of the Father. Now, the Holy Spirit is a gift. It, you know, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in a second, but, but the Holy Spirit, I want you to get that, is a gift. It's something that God wants to give you. It's something that's above and beyond salvation. That leads me to my next statement. The Holy Spirit baptism is not required, but recommended. The Holy Spirit baptism is not required, but recommended. Let me explain it to you. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says this, 
that because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth and is saved. Period. You don't have to add anything to that or do anything with that other than by faith you and I are saved. It's not by joining the church. It's not by, by giving money to God. It's not by X number of hours of church service that you give to God. It's not by being perfect. It's not by our righteousness. It's simply by saying, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. It's what you just saw Tom do in the salvation experience of saying, Jesus Christ, come into my heart, come into my life, be my Lord and be my Savior, remove me from my sins, period. You're saved. Beyond that, you, and you, you go, but, but I, I say this, beyond that, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just kind of life to a whole nother level. If you don't want it, that's fine. But if you want it, I recommend it. And you, some of you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, so you mean like, I don't have, do I have to have, if I don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, do I get to go to heaven? Yep. Get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do, do I get to like live in a mansion like the Bible says in the book of Revelation? Yep. Do I get to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant? Yep. Do, 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 I, do I get to go to like the, that, that seven-year all-you-can-eat buffet called the marriage supper of the Lamb? Yep, yep, you totally get to go to that. That's, you, you don't have to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit to do any of that. You don't have to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you, and you may say, and you may come to the end of this, this series and go, you know, man, that's cool, that, that Aaron, that you're that way, and that's cool that the church believes that, and I don't have a problem with it. I just don't know that I want that. Can I tell you something? Please listen to me. That's totally all right. Me or anybody else is not going to force you, coerce you, make you sign a statement, lock the doors down, and lay hands on you. We're not going to do anything weird or wild or whatever. I'm simply telling you this because this is the upgrade to the life that you're looking for. This, this is why I say it's recommended. It's like, it's like going and buying a car. Now, to buy a car, to have a car, to have a vehicle take you from point A to point B, you can go buy a smart car if you want to. You can go buy a car that's going to have a steering column and going to have an engine and you're going to put gas in and you're going to have some seats. I mean, you really don't even have to have nice seats. You could have like milk crates if you wanted to, I guess. Again, I'm from Arkansas, so I've seen it all. But, but I'm just saying, you don't have to have anything, right? But, 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 but if you go buy a car today, there's some advances. There's some upgrades that you can get that are pretty stinking cool, that make the journey a whole lot better. There are things that like, and in Wisconsin, I think this is pretty great. They have heated seats. Yeah. Let me upgrade, upgrade. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. There are, there are things that you can get that I think are like, hallelujah, DVD players for kids. Maybe you want to talk to your kids. I don't. Here's the headphones. <laughs> Put it in there. And then here's what you hear. Shh, you're, not, you're not working with my illustration. I need you to be quiet for a minute. <laughs> Silence, man. Now, again, we're tooling around town. No big deal. Talk all you want to. And I'm going to be like, remember how your parents said that to you? I'm going to pull this car over, and I'm going to pull my belt off, and I'm going to whip all you kids and all the kids in the neighborhood, you know? <laughs> but there's this thing that I absolutely love. It's called GPS, Global Positioning satellite systems. Navigation system. Touch screen. Woo! You get lost, it can help find you. You hit a detour, it can recalibrate your position and help you get to your destination. You're looking for that, for that restaurant in the third ward, and you're like, how, where? All of a sudden, 
It's a, it's a little upgrade to the GPS called OnStar. Boop. OnStar, hello, Mr. Cole. How can I help you? I feel like James Bond. That's Cole, Aaron Cole. Yes, and, and I tell them, do you know where I am? Because I'm lost. Oh, yes, sir, Mr. Cole. You're at the corner of Wisconsin and da-da-da-da. I'm trying to get to such and such. Can you help me? Oh, yeah, I can get you right there. And I'll stay with you for the entire rest of your journey to make sure that you get there safely. Yeah, daddy-like. I mean, I'm telling you. It's all like Donkey Kong. Because I got navigational systems. It's improved our marriage. Has it or has it not? Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you're having a trouble spot in your marriage because you're fighting the car, you just get a GP. Hallelujah. It's a way to go. So the deal is that GPS OnStar navigational system is like the difference between life before that and life after that is the difference between not having the baptism of the Holy Spirit and having the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because there are times in my life where I don't know where I am. There are times in my life as a Christ follower that I am totally lost. I'm lost like a ball in high weeds, and I don't know how to get out. There are times where I don't know which way to go. There are times that I don't know. And in that moment, the Bible says through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's like a spiritual on-star. Boop, Aaron, I'm right here. How can I help you? I'm lost, and I need some direction. I'm disoriented, and I need, I need my bearings back. I can help you with that. I can do that. I, I, I don't know which way to go. I, I was going down this way, and all of a sudden I've hit a detour, and I don't know where to go, and I don't know, am I supposed to do this, or am I supposed to do that? Oh, it's okay. I'll walk with you through it. This reason right here is why I'm doing this message. This is not required to get to heaven. This isn't required to be a Christian. This isn't required to, to be, even to be a member at Life Church. But it is an upgrade that I would highly recommend you kicking the tires on. That's why I've been saying, take the Bible. I quadruple dog dare you. Read the book of Acts and ask one simple question. God, if this is for me, let me, let me experience this. Because this experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, although it's not required, I highly recommend it because it will navigate you through the ups and the downs and the ins and outs of life. It will save you time. It will save you energy, and it's a direct connection to God. Now, what are the signs of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, there's two signs that the Bible says that are very distinct. First of all is power for life. Power for life. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Power. Do you want power in your walk with God? Do you want, like the, the things we were talking about last week, that, that insight, that knowledge, that revelation, that all that, do you want that in your life? Then that's what you want. Now, again, I've been raised in church where this has been taught all my life, and quite frankly, when they said there's power, they were talking about power for a church service. They were talking about, we're just gonna, we're gonna kind of get everything going, and they were good people, and love God, and, I, and again, I don't think it's theologically wrong, I just think it's a cultural difference. It's, it's a, this, that thing is, it's cultural, not theological, but what it was, the power of the Holy Spirit, does it work in the church? Sure. But is that where it's supposed to begin and end? No. It works in the life of believers, and why do you say that? Because in the first century, they didn't meet like this. In the first century, they met in homes. In the first century, they preached in the synagogues on the weekends, and they had these home Bible studies, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit didn't even start 
<laughs> in a church or in a synagogue. It started in an upper room that they rented out to have a prayer meeting. It didn't, and, and, and when you see it found through Scripture, they're going to the homes of people who are gathered together and they're hungry for the things of God. And so for us just to relegate this, this Holy Spirit experience, this baptism experience, for a Sunday morning experience, we're clipping the wings of the wild goose. We're bringing him out, letting him fly and flutter around for a little while, putting him back in the cage, and then we go live our life. And that's not what God intended. And again, I know you say, well, dude, I've seen some TV shows, and I've seen some people like do some weird stuff. And, and I... You know, I can fix a lot of things, but I can't fix stupid. You know what I'm talking about? There's some weird people out there. And Christian television sometimes takes the cake for weird people. That's just, that's just us. Let's just be honest. Right? It's like I think people need to be saved for about 10 years so they can watch Christian TV. Because there's just some stuff I go, look, don't, just, don't, don't watch, please don't watch that. Because <laughs> you're going to be like a termite and a yo-yo. You're going to be more confused than you know what to do. And, and I've been in church services where the power of the Holy Spirit, well, it's the power of God. Bless God. Glory to God. He's going to come up on you. And he's just going to cover you. And, and you feel like it's an infectious disease that's going to overtake your body. And, and then and, and when it does, you're going to talk uh, like this uh, all the time. Uh, and you don't want to talk like this uh, all the time. Uh. And so you go, that's weird. And I would tell you that is weird. But that's not the power of the Holy Spirit. That's just a person. Well-meaning though they may be. And if that's your, listen, if you love to worship God like that, great. No problem. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's you're slap, but don't slap the label of that's the Holy Spirit, that's baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because that's not. That's just the way someone talks or someone operates or something happens. But I will tell you that then it gets into an area where it's not God and it's just emotional. And it's emotionalism. And, and I mean, I like a good church service like anybody else. And I love to get in on the spot where the glory comes out. Mm, and I love a big choir and love all that. But at the end of the day, that's not what's going to help me get found when I'm lost. And at the end of the day, that's not what's going to help me navigate through the detours of life. And on Monday night and Tuesday morning, when I've got the meeting with the board of directors on Thursday afternoon, and when I'm in the midnight hour with my kids in the hospital and going, oh God, I need you to show up, that's when the Holy Spirit works. So it's power for living. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that next week, about how it operates in a corporate setting, and then the, the two weeks following, how it operates in our life every day. Because I want to give you tools to help you do that. The, 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 the next thing the Bible says is a sign for the power of the Holy or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And again, I didn't write this, but this is what it says very clearly. It's a heavenly language. A heavenly language. Sometimes you may have heard that called speaking in tongues, praying in the Spirit, a heavenly language. Let's read it. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a, like a rush of violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, divided into tongues, as a fire appeared among them, and the tongue rested upon each one of them. Again, this is just one of the disciples basically trying to explain what's happening. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all spoke or spake in other languages, comma, as the Spirit gave them the ability. So the Holy Spirit comes... They are all baptized in the Holy Spirit. And a sign of that, or sometimes you've heard the phrase initial physical evidence of that, is that they began to speak in other tongues and other languages, some versions of the Bible would say, that they did not learn but that were, that were um, given to them by the Spirit of God. 
So this isn't like going to German class and, and learning German and subjugating the verbs and this and that and doing grammar and sprechen Sie Deutsch, bitte, you know, eins, zwei, zufa. This isn't that kind of stuff. This is, I am receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power of God fills my life and baptizes me in such a way that I began to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Then I began to, as the Lord would come up on me, I began to speak in this heavenly language. I began to pray in the Spirit. I began to speak in tongues. Now some of you are going, okay, your radar's beep, beep. That's what I'm talking about. That's the freaky-deaky stuff I've seen. That's, that's the weird stuff. That's a, this is the stuff that my mother warned me about. Okay, let me explain this to you. First of all, I did not write this, and I didn't come up with this. But I'll tell you why it's weird to you, or why it's strange to you, for two reasons. Number one, because of the fact that you've seen excesses in this, and again, you cannot have a, uh, a counterfeit if you don't have a genuine. And you've seen some people take this, and it's become this emotional, weird, like what I call a flesh fest. It's just people being weird and acting crazy and slapping a God sticker on it. And it's not God. It's just emotional people that are acting out. I'm just telling you. I'm going to tell you what they don't tell you. And it's easier just to go, well, you know, because here's the deal is, all mainline churches believe this happened this way. They just believe it, they, that it ended with the death of the apostles. And we're going to talk more about that in just a second. So nobody has a problem that it happened this way, but it happened in the first century, and we're now in the 21st century. So 21 centuries ago, that's when it happened. So it's so far ago that we don't have to deal with it because it really gets to be kind of somewhat, this is not like a real clean-cut situation. This is an experience that you have. But there's biblical definitions, and we'll talk more about that this week and next week about this. But the second reason why it's weird to you is not just because you've seen excesses and things that are wrong, but it's because of the fact that we're all free moral agents. Never forget that. You get to choose every day of your life whether you're going to stay true to the woman or to the man that you married. You're going to choose every single day in your life whether you're going to serve God. You're going to choose every day whether you're going to walk with integrity and with character or you're not. You get to choose every day. There is no one with a gun to your head making you decide what you want to do. You're making your own choices. And so even when you come to faith in God and you choose him for the rest of your life on this earth, you are making a choice every day whether you're going to follow Jesus or whether you're not. And so what happens is we don't like when someone takes control out of our hands. We like the natural, not the supernatural. When you put super on natural, we start going, whoa, 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 whoa. Because it's different. So what happens is, is we like the natural, but not the supernatural. That's the reason why people kind of get wigged out about miracles, because they're supernatural, not natural. That's the reason why people, the whole salvation thing, it's supernatural, so people don't understand it. That's the whole thing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. And so part of that supernatural experience is the power to live the life, but there's also this beautiful heavenly language that comes with that. That's not weird, but it's supernatural. It's beyond your, your ability to be able to completely put your mind around it. And some people say, well, why did God do it that way? Well, I don't really, it doesn't tell us. But the book of James is very strong, and it's, it's a book that's written to, to first century Christians. And he talks about the power of the tongue, and that the tongue is the un most unruly part of the body. That no one can tame the tongue, James says. 
And so the only thing that, but my observation, this is just my observation theologically, we'll find out when we get to heaven, but one of the reasons why, or the reason why God chose to use language as a way to express the baptism of the Holy Spirit is because he's going to take the most unruly part of your body and he's going to tame it. He's going to rule it. He's going to control it. And the supernatural, the super meets the natural. The power of God meets that, that piece of your anatomy called the tongue. And God says, I'm going to even use that to glorify me. I don't know, but I do know this is the way it happened. And it didn't just happen here. It happens all the way through the book of Acts. So how do you, how do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I'm so glad you asked. It's the next blank. Blank. Just simply ask. If you want this experience, just ask for it. If you don't want, that's fine. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. God's not going to bring something on you that you don't have the ability to control or that you don't have the ability to have. The Bible says that the Spirit is subject to the prophet. This is not going to be something that's going to overtake you. This is going to be something that you say, I want this gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I want this life to the whole other level. I want this spiritual on-star in my life to navigate me. Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through 17 Here's how it happened. We see that it first occurred, the, this, this power of the Holy Spirit occurred in Acts chapter 2. But Acts chapter 8, the New Testament church is clicking along, and here's what happens. The apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria, remember? The Bible said that it would go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. So now it's already to the third place. Heard that, that Samaria had accepted the word of God. They had they'd been saved, okay? They had the salvation experience. So they sent Peter and John, two, two of, the, of, the, of the disciples, they sent them down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit had not yet come upon them. They would not been baptized uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, but they had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then Peter and John laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Pretty simple. It's not some big emotional deal. Just very simple. Boom, it happened. So they had heard about what was happening. And some of you in this room, you've heard about this, and it's going to be up to you to say, I want this. And if you want this, then, then it's going to be, it's pretty simple. What I would encourage you to do is do two things. Number one, just simply ask God in your own time to say, God, I'd like to have this. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is one of the greatest prayers, and this is one of the greatest things that happen. Because what happens is God makes himself known to you in a way that's undeniable. I, I've had friends that have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they've been praying for this. And they, I, one friend of mine, he had, he had a long, about a 30-minute drive from his office to his house. He lived way out in the country. And a, and a young, young business professional, and he had gotten saved, and, and he and his young wife, had gotten, they had both gotten saved, and God just did this miraculous thing in their life. And he just really wanted all God had. And he didn't want the whole emotional deal and didn't want the whole out there thing, but he just he wanted all that God had. And so he was on this journey and asking God to baptize him in the Holy Spirit. And on his way home from work one day, he is driving along. He said, man, I spent that time to pray, and it was just a good time to unwind and kind of decompress. And he said, I was just praying, oh, Lord, if this is really real, I really want this. I don't want something that's weird or emotional that's just going to make me feel good. But if, the, if this Holy Spirit, if your Holy Spirit really still fills people and baptizes them, I want this. And he said, in that moment, he said, I just, I'm driving my car. And he said, I just began, I could just feel the presence of God, just like I did when I got saved. And he said, man, I began to cry. And he said, I'm not a crier, but it wasn't uncontrollable. It was just, it was just the sweet presence of God. And I just, he said, I'm driving. And all of a sudden, I just began to pray in the spirit. I began to, 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 to pray in this heavenly language. Right there, in his convertible Mustang, on his way home from work. Um, 
You know, I, I, I have, I've seen people, you know, that just, it's just real simple. A stay-at-home mom that's just, she's cleaning her house and she's got the, a worship CD on and she's cleaning the house and she's just wanting more of God and, and she prays that same prayer and all of a sudden between song three and song five, she begins to feel the presence of the Lord and she just sits down for a minute and God gloriously baptizes her in the Holy Spirit and there's no one around, there's no emotional, there's no big hoopla. We put the hoopla in it. Can I tell you why the whole emotional thing happened? to is because of this. It's all based upon your own personality. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, contrary to popular opinion, it does not rewire your personality. If you're an introvert, you don't become an extrovert. If you're a phlegmatic, you don't become a, a, a sanguine or a cleric. If, if you're laid back, you don't suddenly become engaged. What happens is God works through your personality. You've been to a football game before? You've been to a sporting events, event before? Everybody reacts. Everybody responds differently. Now, in Wisconsin, we love our Packers, and we love football, and I'm an avid football fan. And I followed Brett Favre prior to his coming to, um, to um, Wisconsin when he was in Hattiesburg uh, at Southern Miss. And, and, and here's the deal. I've been to Lambeau Field a couple of games, and people are like nuts, like in a good way, but crazy. So don't anybody ever come to me and go, well, church is way too emotional. I got two words for you, Lambeau Field. Don't talk to me about emotion. You saw FanFest yesterday at Lambeau Field? I mean, like, wow, everybody's like green and gold, right? And, and, and that's all good and fine. We go, yeah, that's the Packers. God, don't make me go there. Okay, so the deal is, I go to the game. And you have some people that will go to a sporting event, they'll be like, yay, go, yay. They're the people that sit in the boxes. And, and, and they're just, yay, great. And if you have a box seat, I'm not speaking against you, I'd love to go. Yay, yay, go. Because I love, it's like all you can eat, I've been, all right? That's nice, man. I, I don't know if I like the food or the game better, but anyhow, yeah. But then you have those fans, they're like fanatical. They put the fan in fanatical, right? Or the fanatical in fan, or however you want to say it. And all of a sudden, what they do is they're nuts, man. They're like, wow, yeah, go, woo! I mean, and, and they've got a little bit of antifreeze in them, AKA alcohol. And, and so, and they're just like nuts. I remember going with Jay one time. Pastor Jay, who oversees our, our creative department, and uh, we're sitting there, about 20 rows in front of us is this guy, we called him Drunk Man, because he was like turning around to all of us going, come on, come on, like trying to engage the crowd like a cheerleader. And we were both like, yeah, he's, he's drunker than Cooter Brown, he'll be, he'll be out by the second quarter. And all of a sudden, second quarter, you don't see Drunk Man anymore, because he's like, hmm, you know, it's all worn off. And, but people go nuts. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. If you're the type of person that you are like high throttle, high octane, fully engaged, when you encounter anything that's exciting in your life, you go nuts. Then when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it may be a pretty emotional experience because that's just who you are. There's a lot of drama in your world. You're like, Wah! like Dave Mankey, he's kind of a drama guy. And so anyhow, there's just all of this fanfare around you and all of this hoopla and all of this big stuff. But if you are a pretty quiet, conservative, introverted person, it's not going to change your personality. It's going to be the same Spirit of God and the same Holy Spirit and the same baptism and the same power and the same spiritual language that's going to come with it. But it's going to probably come in a way quieter and sweeter way. That's the beauty of God. He works in and through the personalities that he's created in us. And one's not more important than the other. My grandmother used to say, it's not how high you jump in service, it's how straight you walk when you hit the ground that's important. You can be as emotional as you want to be. 
do, do what you want to do. You, you like to just, wah, then great. But if it's a situation in your life where all of a sudden that you're, you're just a pretty conservative, quiet person, that's fine too. That our emotional level doesn't determine our spirituality. So we just simply ask. And I want to, I want to encourage you to do something else. On, in your notes, just right there, there's a little sidebar that says Encounter Night. I think it's April 4th or April 5th at 6 o'clock in the Student Center. If during this series you have questions or you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then on that night, myself and the pastoral staff, we're going to be here. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen because it's not going to be some weird, wild, lock the doors, bring the lights down, play some ominous music. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to do it in the student center. No big band, no big anything. I'm simply going to revisit some of this teaching that we're doing or what God's Word says about it. I'm going to do a Q&A time and answer any question that you have about this whole experience and try to basically answer your questions. And then we're going to take about a 10-minute break because some people, you're, this is brand new. And, dude, you just want to come because you're kind of curious, but you're, you're not quite, that's totally cool. Remember, you don't have to have that to go to church here, to go to heaven, or to eat at the all-you-can-eat marriage supper of the Lamb, right, for seven years. If you don't know about that, let me tell you later. So, um, so, so the, but, but the deal is you just, you, you're welcome to come. And there's going to be about a 10-minute window. We're just going to take a break. And so if you need to leave, you want to leave, you don't want to do this whole thing, that's fine. Because I think that you need to have the ability to kick tires on stuff. But at the end of that time, then uh, it's, we're, we're probably be a 30, 40-minute time of just discussion. Take a 10-minute break. So about 45 minutes into the hour, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, anybody that does, I'm going to say, let's come back in. And myself and the staff, we're simply going to lay hands on you, just like prayer partners pray with you. Exact same stuff. And you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, just the way we've talked about. You're going to sense the presence of God. You're going to, you're going to ask for that. And, the, and God's going to gloriously baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And it's not going to be something that's wild or weird. Unless you're wild and weird, then I really can't help you with that because you're, you're nuts. But yeah, that's another story for another day. But ever how you are, you're going to receive that power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And some of you go, you know, man, I've been coming to Life Church for six months, and I haven't heard you talk a whole lot about this. Well, the reason is, is because I, if I spent every weekend talking about everything we believe here, we would never go home. That's not a good thing. I love you, and you love me, but we don't love each other that much, right? So I don't, I can't, and, I, and, and this isn't the centrality of the gospel, but this is how we can live the best life here that we have. And, and I'm telling you this, and my motivation is so that you can experience the same thing. Because you go, well, man, do you, do you, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Do you, do you speak in tongues? Yes. Would you recommend it? Absolutely. That's why I'm teaching it. Because I want you to have that opportunity, if this is an upgrade in your life, that you want to be able to have this. And here's the, here's the ultimate question. Is the baptism of the Holy Spirit for today? Yes. And I'll show you why. I didn't write it, but this is what it says. Acts chapter 2, verse 39. After they see this display of the Holy Spirit and 3,000 people come to faith in Christ, Peter is preaching uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, and he says, For the promise, the Holy Spirit, is for you and your children and all who are far away and everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls. So he says it's not just for the first century, not just for the first generation, but it's for your kids. Not just for your own kids, but for people that are far away, people that have yet to hear this message. They can experience this. And he goes to the whole nother level when he goes to number four, and he says, but hey, you know what? It's for anybody who ever calls on the name of the Lord, the Lord calls them, they can experience this promise. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm saying it's for today. Now again, it's up to you whether you want it or not. That's your decision. No worries, honestly.
But it's something I highly recommend. And let me illustrate this in a real simple way. The Bible says in John chapter 7 that, that the Spirit of God is like rivers of living water. And Jesus said when he comes that the Holy Spirit fills you. And if this is your life right here, this little green vase, if this is your life, this water symbolizes the power and the Spirit of God. And you come to salvation and you give your life to Christ, and some of you are going to do that today, and you, feel, and, and you are filled full of the power of God. You're filled full of the Holy Spirit. You are full. This is all you need to get to heaven. This is all you need for salvation. You have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, Romans 10, 9, and 10. But as you go along, you go, man, I, I, I want everything God has for me. I don't want to just be filled full uh, of the Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want everything that God has. And so you began to say, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm reading the book of Acts. Man, I picked up that book, Wild Goose Chase. I'm listening to what Pastor says. And although this is new to me, I want everything God has. And so you began to pray. And then God says that he will, like streams of living water, will begin to not just fill you, but fill you to overflowing so that you are completely consumed, you are completely enveloped, you are completely 360 degrees, any way of your life, your entire life is completely filled full of the Spirit and the power of God. Now, you don't have to have this to get to heaven. All you have to have is this. And you have this. And some of you are going to get to experience that today. Fifteen people cross the line and experience this today. And this is what the Holy Spirit does the first time. But if you say, man, there's more and I want more, that's right. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's where you come in and you completely surrender yourself and you completely become baptized. That's the visual illustration of what God does in your life. And the choice is completely up to you. Now, before we close today, I want you to see a story of a young lady who her journey of experiencing this second experience of the wild goose, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Turn your attention to the screens. We'll be right back. About a year and a half ago, we were at camp um, at Blue Harbor uh, with the Driven students, and on this particular night, the speaker uh, gave the students and leaders the opportunity to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and to come to the altar um, for that. And at this point, I had already been praying and asking for the gift for about a year, and um, I was really frustrated. Um, because I felt like, what am I doing wrong? Um, what, uh, why is this not happening? Because if it's a free gift and you don't earn it, then where, where's the issue? Um, and so uh, the speaker called people to the altar and I didn't feel led to go down front. And so I just stood behind my chair and I began to pray and I asked God um, if tonight could be the night. And at that moment, I got a vision of the beach. It's like, okay, how does this relate? And um, as I was walking towards the beach, um, I found that two of the Adirondack chairs from the hotel had been pulled into this clearing um, in the grass overlooking the lake. And so I was like, uh, this must be it. So I walked over and I sat down. And I just began to pray um, and I began to sing worship songs 
Um, and as I began to do that, um, God kind of brought to mind some things that um, kind of had to be cleared out, just kind of some things from my past and, and um, some stuff that I had been holding on to. Um, and I remember uh, thinking several times um, as I was kind of giving these things over to him, um, it was like he was asking me, do you trust me? I, I see things in my mind as, as when I'm talking to God. I think he does that to help solidify things in my mind. And I could see um, kind of an image of him sitting next to me in the chair, um, just kind of holding this gift. And it was about that big. And it was a white box and it was wrapped in a blue ribbon. And I was just kind of like, is that my gift? And um, can I open it? And um, at that moment, I just kind of sensed him smile and I could speak in tongues. And so I began to cry and um, I just prayed in tongues. And um, that was when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Really waiting on him in this was huge. And, and it was really hard. It was really hard because there were many times where I asked him, there was just nothing. And I felt, it's funny because I felt like there was no response for like a year. But the reality was that during that entire year, he was preparing me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It wasn't that he wasn't doing anything. It was that he had started this process when I asked. And he was like, okay. And then he started this process, but the process took a year for me to get there. And so that's, I think that's really a key piece. Um, because I think people want things now. We're in a society where we want things right away and we want um, everything fast and you know, hot and fresh or whatever. And, um, and we're, we're really more of a slow cooker kind of you know, relationship. We gotta, we gotta soak in it for a little while and just to get it right.